Farmers are the heartbeat of rural America. Congress recently invested $20 billion in America's farmers and ranchers, focusing on conservation practices and profits for future generations. Today, these funds are at risk. You're squawking over $20 billion. That USDA program, it's investment into the future for everybody. If the funding was eliminated, it could hurt farms and families. Tell Congress, protect this generational investment in the Farm Bill. Learn more at investinourland.org. Paid for by Invest in Our Land. This podcast is sponsored by Amazon. Amazon is making big changes to protect the planet and is the first company to sign the Climate Pledge. The Climate Pledge calls on corporations to be net zero carbon across their businesses by 2040, 10 years ahead of the Paris Agreement's goal. Amazon committed to a sustainable future. Hello, Nerdcasters. It's Charlie Matessian sitting in for Scott Bland with a special debate edition of the show. We had 12 of the Democrats running for president on the stage at Otterbein University in Westerville, Ohio, Tuesday night. And we're going to pick apart a key moment with Politico's Elena Schneider. Elena, so glad you're here. Thanks for having me back. Thanks for staying up late. Uh, So let's get right to it. First, a little bit of context. So this was the first debate where Elizabeth Warren has been a front runner, a front runner in uh, some of the national polls and some of the states. Uh, and she got the attention that the front runner often gets, I guess, uh, a lot of incoming flack, as, as, as you might say. Yeah, she took on a lot of aggressive and pointed attacks from a range of candidates, everyone from Beto O'Rourke, who called her punitive. Being punitive or, or pitting some part of the country against the other. Um, instead of to lifting Pete Buttigieg with a long extended back and forth over how she would pay for Medicare for all. Your signature, Senator, is to have a plan for everything except this. No plan has been laid out to explain how a multi-trillion dollar hole in this Medicare for all plan that Senator Warren is putting forward. Particularly trying to, to pin her down on this question of whether or not it would raise taxes, which once again, she refused to answer a yes or no question on. There was this great exchange late in the evening uh, between Elizabeth Warren and uh, the other front runner, so-called front runner, Joe Biden. Um, and it was in response to a question about whether Warren's vision of a big structure change is appealing to voters at all. So let's listen to the clip. You know, following the financial crash of 2008, I had an idea for a consumer agency. And we should say we're going to let this play in its entirety. It's going to run about 90 seconds or so. That would keep giant banks from cheating people. And all of the Washington insiders and strategic geniuses said, don't even try because you will never get it passed. And sure enough, The big banks fought us, the Republicans fought us, some of the Democrats fought us. But we got that agency passed into law. It has now forced big banks to return more than $12 billion directly to people they cheated. I served in the Obama administration. I know what we can do by executive authority, and I will use it. In Congress, on the first day, I will pass my anti-corruption bill, which will beat back the influence of money and repeal the filibuster. And the third, we want to get something done in America. We have to get out there and fight for the things that touch people's lives. I agreed with the great job she did. And I went on the floor and got you votes. I got votes for that bill. I convinced people to vote for it. So let's get those things straight, too. Senator Warren, do you want to respond? I am deeply grateful 
to President Obama, who fought so hard to make sure that agency was passed into law. And I am deeply grateful to every single person who fought for it and who helped pass it into law. But understand... You did a hell of a job in your job. Thank you. But understand this. It was a dream big fight hard. Now, Elena, when Joe Biden touts his ability to get votes... I agreed with the great job she did. And I went on the floor and got you votes. In support of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. I got votes for that bill. I convinced people to vote for it. So let's get those things straight, too. Senator Warren, do you want to respond? What is the subtext there? Explain the connection uh, to his rationale for being in the race. Well, Biden's whole pitch is around his ability to restore the country to its old glory, getting things done, getting people to work together. It certainly goes to sort of what he believes is, is not only hearkening back to his Obama legacy and his, his participation in that administration, but also his ability to, in the future, work with Congress and actually get things done. But Elizabeth Warren didn't give him room to, make, to take credit for that. Yeah, that was the badass moment. That was where Elizabeth Warren stared Uncle Joe in the face and made the comment about, it wasn't you, it was, the, it was President Obama. I am deeply grateful to President Obama, who fought so hard to make sure that agency was passed into law. And she did it so carefully. It was like a surgeon. Like, she le- let the moment sort of hang in the air, and everyone sort of, like, was able to then react and sort of titter, and even that somehow made t- like echoed and made it even bigger of a moment because you could feel in the room how people were reacting to how she was crediting Obama, and she was not going to even look at Joe and Joe Biden, and she was just going to only focus on on the fact that it, it had been uh, Obama, and that was a that was a pretty devastating moment. Yeah, that was, you're totally right there. <laughs> that was stone cold. I thought that she was the dominant performer uh, tonight. I, and I'm somebody who was a skeptic of her in, in the beginning, but I thought she commanded the stage. She articulated a vision. Uh, I thought she was head and shoulders above everyone else. And, I, you know, I, I know that, you know, you're, you're looking at me, you're giving me that look, like, what the hell are you talking about? You and I disagree on this. I think that that was an asset in the fact that everyone was trying to get her on the central flaw in her argument, which is that there, she has no way to pay for any of this. I mean, come on. But I want to give a reality check here to Elizabeth. But you have not specified how you're going to pay for the most expensive plan, Medicare for all. But I do think it is appropriate to acknowledge that taxes will go up. Senator Sanders acknowledges he's going to raise taxes on the middle class to pay for Medicare for all. You've endorsed his plan. Should you acknowledge it, too? A yes or no question that didn't get a yes or no answer. At least Bernie's being honest here and saying how he's going to pay for this and that taxes are going to go up. And I'm sorry, Elizabeth, but you have not said that. And I think that makes her the most viable Democrat that she doesn't actually say that. Because she's left herself some wiggle room. Exactly. In a way that Bernie doesn't. And I don't I, – and so to me that that's actually an asset. So here's my thing. I don't disagree that Elizabeth Warren was able to parry a lot of these attacks on her very effectively. I think what I – more sort of taking a step back, this was the first debate where she – was aggressively attacked by a whole range of candidates in a way that we've not seen before, bringing up questions that weren't necessarily devastating, but raises questions. And that's not to say that she's going to lose support because of that, but I think that it's 
people who are who are moderates and and who are concerned about winning and now I'm sounding like Pete Buttigieg and maybe I spent too much time on the trail with him but I think people who are are concerned about exactly what you said a general election pitch uh, see through this and and even though she's maybe not saying out loud what Republicans would love to splice together into an ad as Amy Klobuchar made that point her absence of saying it still in some ways says it. And I, th- I agree with you in that, you know, at the end of the day, she does have literal wiggle room in a way that Bernie Sanders doesn't. But by sort of drilling down into this point, I do think that it leaves an opening for people, particularly like Amy Klobuchar, like Pete Buttigieg, who sort of in some ways ter- turned into like a moderate tag team for each other. And I appreciate Elizabeth's work. But again, um, the difference between a plan and a pipe dream is something that you can actually get done. And we- this is the fundamental of the question of the primary, though, right? I mean, this question of how big and bold you should be in your vision. That cuts to the central core of what this Democratic primary is about. And I think in some ways, Warren and Buttigieg and Klobuchar were sort of most clear about articulating that tonight. And in Amy Klobuchar's words, she said something to the effect of just because Elizabeth has all these plans. We just have different approaches. And calls them bold and progressive doesn't mean that those are the only bold and progressive plans out there. Your idea is not the only idea. And it was sort of the first time that we'd really heard um, this conversation get fleshed out a little bit more about who owns, what is bold, what is progressive, and how you balance that with actually getting things done. We not only saw that between Elizabeth Warren and Pete Buttigieg on Medicare for All and Amy Klobuchar on Medicare for All, but also between Beto O'Rourke and Pete Buttigieg on guns and uh, and on on mandatory uh, gun buybacks. So so I think that this is going to continue to get played out throughout this primary, and it's going to be fascinating to see who's able to sort of take control of not only those ideological lanes, but I would argue what's even more important is sort of where people are able to rally enthusiasm. And look, Pete Buttigieg is trying to say, in addition to Joe Biden, that this country needs healing, that it needs to unify. We're competing to be president for the day after Trump. Our country will be horrifyingly polarized, even more than now. After everything we've been through, after everything we are about to go through, this country will be even more divided. Why unnecessarily divide this country over health care when there's a better Thanks. way to... And Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are saying, we need to fight. And those are fundamentally two different messages. And it's not clear which one is going to work. But I do think that that... The clarity around those two differences, those two messages, really crystallized tonight in a way that we haven't seen before. All right. Uh, that'll do it. Thanks so much for uh, taking out time. I know you're on deadline. Thanks for coming over here and, and doing this interview. I've got to run out and crunch quarter, third quarter numbers. So thanks for uh, having me in here for a little break from them, though. <laughs> oh, I thought my night was horrific. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Bland will be back with our usual show on Friday. Thanks to Annie Reese for producing tonight and to our executive producer, Dave Shaw. This podcast is sponsored by Amazon. Amazon is making big changes to protect the planet and is the first company to sign the Climate Pledge. The Climate Pledge calls on corporations to be net zero carbon across their businesses by 2040, 10 years ahead of the Paris Agreement's goal. Amazon is also ordering 100,000 fully electric delivery vehicles and investing $100 million in reforestation projects around the world to begin removing carbon from the atmosphere now in partnership with the Nature Conservancy. Amazon, committed to a sustainable future.